0: The following program is underwritten in part by Schmidt's Naturals. Smell seriously amazing and support animal conservation with Schmidt's Special Edition Lily of the Valley Natural Deodorant. Created in collaboration with the Jane Goodall Institute, 5% of each purchase goes to animals in the wild. Learn more and pick up your stick now at
1: schmidt's.com. The following program is also underwritten in part by... My dog Annie recently broke her leg. Thankfully, she's protected by Embrace Pet Insurance. Embrace offers one simple plan for unexpected accidents and illnesses. To learn more, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com. Policies underwritten by a licensed insurer of American Modern Insurance Group. Coverage subject to policy terms and conditions. Mm -hmm.
2: Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Volani. and here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
3: You ready to talk about your pets? Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Dr. Debbie and Joey Volani here to answer your questions, and don't forget, you can also ask them from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Judy has uh, booked another humdinger of a show. We're having Dr. John Huber back. He is the clinical forensic psychologist. (laughs) And I asked him last time what that really meant. Mm -hmm. I still don't get the forensic (laughs) part. (laughs) But, you
4: don't get forensics.
3: Well, I know like, what forensics means. But in this case, in this between the word clinical and psychologist, I've never heard that before, so I don't get that part. Do you? Is it come? It must come easy to you. You're the doctor, of course.
4: I guess it depends when we're talking about animals and forensics. Like if the animals are where the forensic is used, or if it's human
3: ah, clinical forensic. Okay.
4: Because that might be different.
3: <laughs> well, he has some news for us today that really doesn't surprise me. He says a new study says that if we're stressed, our dogs will be stressed or could be stressed. And if we're calm and relaxed, they could be calm and relaxed. That the our dogs really tune into what our feelings are all about.
5: They mirror us. I'd have to say, you know,
4: when dogs are walking and you see that nervous pet owner that grabs the leash and pulls it up really <laughs> tight, you know, yes. it, it really, that you pass that kind of energy through the leash. So I, I get it, Yeah, yeah.
3: Like I said, not a surprise, but uh, we'll find out the research behind this. Coming up with Dr. John Huber. Also on the show today, this is very exciting. We've landed the big interview here with attorneys Tristan Wood and Lauren Sierra. They represent Sean Casey, the owner of the alligator that was just evicted in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Remember, they this was a big story a couple of weeks ago. And this poor. Yeah, alligator, we talked
6: about it,
5: and I like the name of their law firm,
3: Jungle Law. <laughs> I don't know if they represent all animals, but they were certainly representing this alligator and his guardian. And we'll find out what the what the deal is with that, and where catfish the. I believe he's a two hundred pound alligator now. <sighs> uh, uh, where he is. He apparently lived on a diet of chicken McNuggets or, or chicken nuggets of some sort, so you can understand oh my goodness! It's, it's so big. Yeah, you know.
5: Tastes like chicken.
3: You've seen a lot of animals at the practice. I'm betting you've never seen an alligator there.
5: Have you?
4: I, you know what? I have not seen an alligator. I, I can say that. That's, that's not something I'm prepared to see either.
3: <laughs> now, we're all in a jovial good mood, but unfortunately, uh, you, came, you came in from not yeah. a real great experience just now
4: we've just been seeing a rash of um dog fight injuries and you know there's different categories of dog fights you know you're at out walking your dog, your dog gets jumped by another dog and attacked. Uh, so, we've been seeing a lot of those. Um, but what we've also been seeing have been like little spats that household dogs um, or family members' dogs have had that aren't really rising to a level that really gets people concerned. And that's my problem. Because so many of these pets that I've seen lately, they started off with an injury days pre- previously before they even thought to come into the veterinarian. And that's why we're having problems. Oh. So, you know, you guys know know about like cat bites you know how that's a small bite but it, it introduces bacteria oh, yeah. to under the skin same things happen in dog bites and a lot of times we don't see the extent of the injury and the pet doesn't really show it but if you ignore that original spat and think, ah, everything looks fine, no big deal. Three days down the road, we could already have a massive infection causing tissue damage. And several of the pets we've seen have needed multiple surgeries because, um, there's been so much damage to the skin. We've had to actually go back and remove dead tissue because, um, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't save it. It had already been damaged so badly from the infection. Mm. So, um, I guess my, my gripe and my, my lecture for, you know, pet owners out there is really, you know, make sure you see the veterinarian. If you don't think it's a serious thing, great. You may not need antibiotics, but um, a lot of times we need to clip the area, really um, evaluate and um, give you a better idea of what your um, risks are and what we need to do for your pet.
3: Is this only when the animals draw blood? No,
4: not. Yeah, punctures, but there's also shaking injuries. So we see this in little dogs that get picked up by big dogs and you may not see bleeding at all, but it causes separation of the tissue layers and. and. And that creates an open, what we call a virtual space. And that's a site where we'll have fluid buildup. We can get infection to settle in. um, And it can actually, there can already be damage to the blood flow to the skin that, you know, uh, if we don't address that, you know, it does its damage. And then we have to deal with a a much more extensive surgery uh, down the road. So um, I've
5: never heard of that. I never even thought about that.
3: Well, now, should I even let my animals uh, play with each other?
5: Oh, come on now. I'm
4: not telling you don't let them
5: play, <laughs> but there are, you know, there are
4: certainly, um, I think most pet owners, we know when our pets have played and played friendly-like, and then there's the time when you hear that that audible difference. There's a difference when pets are playing and everyone's getting along fine, and then there's the uh, correction, you know, the bite correction, or you just witness that your animals are, you know, having it out. Um, but that's where I'm saying, you know, those are the situations where we would want to um, see a veterinarian for those
3: cases. That was like me and my brother when I was growing up. We were fighting all the time. I would end up at the vet. Not at the vet, the doctor. But sometimes the vet because it was cheaper.
6: Uh, You're so bad. If
3: you want to talk to Dr. Debbie right now, toll free 1-866-405-8405.
6: Hi, Leslie. Hi, Dr. Debbie.
4: How are you? Oh, hi. I'm wonderful today. What can we help you with today?
6: Well, my husband and I adopted a cat that's an indoor outdoor cat about four years ago and Mm -hmm. he's always worn a collar even when we uh, had when we adopted him or before we adopted him and we've noticed within the last six to eight months that he's been coming in in the mornings without his collar on and so the, the first time we thought well you know maybe that's a coincidence the second time we got a little suspicious and thought well maybe one of the neighbors is concerned about him wearing a collar that has to buckle, uh-huh. and so they're removing it. Then the third time that we put a collar on, we used the, the breakaway collar. and he came in last week without his breakaway collar on. And so mm-hmm. we're concerned that, well, we'd like to have for him to have a collar on with a bell so that we can hear him when he comes in and out of the house. And we think that that's a good idea for him to maybe, uh, you know, so, so maybe the, the birds and the animals can hear it and he can, you know, they'll, the birds will get away from him. So um, we're just wondering what should we do about this?
4: Well, it's, it's kind of a tricky situation because, you know, and I, I've had some cats in my lifetime that have been able to get out of breakaway collars in an indoor situation. So um, that's what they're designed for. I can't explain why the other collars came off, but I, I'd be concerned. Um, we do like to have ID on our pets, especially if they're going outside. But if your kitty is getting into environments where that is coming off or getting snagged up on things, that does put them at risk for, you know, choking or some kind of injury from that. So as right. much as we want to keep a collar on them, um, um, you know, if we assume that no human is removing that, well, um,
3: I, uh, do you think neighbors are removing it though? You are assuming that, is that correct? We uh,
6: we assume that a neighbor is removing it because of the they just don't want. A cat to have a, t- a collar on how
3: about putting a note on the collar the new one <laughs> just put a little note on it and say hey call let's talk about this before you take the collar off you know i like that
6: idea we could do that <laughs> yeah it
3: seems like you have a steady communication somehow uh with the neighbor there do you know which neighbor no our cat lives
6: in a, a neighborhood we call it an island that is kind of blocked off by by different roads and so he lives on this this island and everybody in the neighborhood knows him because he's out and about so much. I mean, he's a nice
7: cat. He's that, a very, very nice cat. Does a
3: breakaway collar, is that visibly a breakaway collar, or could that look like any other collar? Could the neighbor think, oh, it's just another another no. collar? No, it looks no, different. No,
6: it, it's definitely a breakaway. You can see that it has a, a like a little a snap instead of a buckle.
3: So, wow doc uh, this is a tough one
6: yeah
4: well I mean I have a suggestion about putting some like little note or you know important ID identification is included um, I would also make sure you do have your kitty microchipped and it won't mm-hmm. serve the serve um, the purpose of having the audible tone the bell sound but at least that's another way that you can help ensure that he's your kitty and that he is identified and heaven forbid someone picks him up and decides he, they want to have him um, that there's some ID there so you, you know I can
8: Chip. Good.
4: Fabulous. Good, good. So and, you know, the other, I guess the other side of the argument would be... <laughs> the safest thing would be to keep him indoors so that he doesn't even have this problem. So I know that's not always a popular opinion with some cats who are used to this lifestyle of being the outdoor, kind of wandering, uh, checking out the neighborhood and and keeping tabs on his domain. But that would be the only one thing I could say that we would avoid this problem altogether. They live
3: a longer life, don't they, Doc, generally? Is it statistically proven?
4: Definitely, outdoor cats—some um, injury, infectious disease—you uh, name it—it it shortens their almost by fifty percent. Shortens mm-hmm. their lifespan. So yeah, that's my little advertisement to keep them indoors.
6: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I think I like the idea of putting a little note on his collar. We'll buy another collar and attach a little note to it and see if that see what happens. And and and, and, and do the, the, the collar because when we adopted this cat from a neighbor who was moving out of town, her only stipulation was that we continue to keep him as an indoor-outdoor cat because that was the way she wanted him to be, and we put in the cat door so that he could come in and out, and so we're going to keep that arrangement. Okay. We're going to keep our part of the arrangement there. We'll but hear I do that. like the idea of so.
3: yeah, mm-hmm. the Put the note on, and then, and then let it, call us back. Let us know what happens. We're very curious. And if you're the neighbor, okay. hey, stop it.
5: Yeah, put a, bell, put a bell on the little cat door so you can hear the bell when oh, he comes to in the cat door yes
3: There Judy actually made me wear a bell at one time because I would sneak around so yeah you I couldn't find him around the where house I was. <laughs> so I understand completely you're wanting to have that and of course the birds it does scare away the birds so that they have a chance to get away good idea I hope it works out let me know how it does work out okay uh, thank you very much well this portion of animal radio was underwritten by Embrace Pet Insurance providing nose to tail accident and illness coverage for your dog or cat That can be customized to fit your budget and your needs. Simply take your dog or cat to any vet, submit a claim form, and get reimbursed quickly. You can learn more over at embracepetinsurance.com and get a quote. Thanks, Embrace, for underwriting Animal Radio.
2: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1 866 405 8405.
9: This is Glenn Close on Animal Radio, urging you to spay or neuter your pet.
2: If Ernest Hemingway was alive today, would he say this to you? Shakespeare, Mark Twain, Edgar Allan Poe, all great writers. And after reading your book... Make a free call right now to Page Publishing. 888-785-0618. 888-785-0618. 888-785-0618. That's 888-785-0618. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405.
3: It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And uh, we are just moments away from talking to the attorneys for Catfish the Alligator. Well, really his owner, his guardian, the attorneys for his guardian. Uh, Catfish evicted, what, six weeks ago from his home.
5: Yeah, beginning of November.
3: This was a pet alligator. Well, I've never heard of that before. Apparently the, the alligator would sit next to him and watch TV next to Sean <laughs> and cuddle up and they would, they would share chicken nuggets
4: I, I'm, I'm having this image of an a alligator sitting on the couch next to me while I'm watching, you know, uh,
5: Golden Girls or something. I'm just not. I, I, I'm having a hard time on that. I
3: don't know. I'm with you on that. And
5: sharing a bowl of chicken nuggets. What's, what's, that's not hard to imagine.
3: <laughs> oh, Okay. Well, uh, there's so many things that I could have said there because, you know, my first wife, she was a lot like an alligator and she weighed about 200 pounds too. Oh, you're going to so get it. Uh, Yeah, I'm sorry. You know what? That's not in the spirit of the holidays. I I retract. Can I retract that? Too late to retract that? Can we take that out of the transcript? Can you just remove that from the transcript like I never said it? It's just electrons in the air right now. It never even happened, right?
5: What happened? Yeah,
3: that's what I'm thinking. Toll free 1-866-405-8405. What? My (laughs) ex-wife's online too? (laughs) I'm going to put her through, Hal. So we're going to talk to uh, the attorneys in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Well, the holidays mean a lot of food, and I I know you may be feeding your animals table scraps. i guilty over here. I do that occasionally, too. We just put up this cool infographic over at our Facebook page. It shows all the foods that you really shouldn't be feeding your animals, and they, of course, include grapes and the chocolate and uh, the bones. The bones are the bad things. Uh, A lot of people think, oh, the turkey bones or the ham bones that's good for them or they, they can share that during the holidays. Oh,
4: my gosh. I think over the last holiday, we had four different animals hospitalized due to pancreatitis and uh, and or bone ingestions. The the One of the last ones was a dog that was fed um, uh, ribeye, meat and the bone. Oh, and uh, yeah, so it, yeah, it chewed the bone up, but it caused a lot of havoc on the insides and had to be hospitalized and um, nursed along until those fragments
3: could pass. Is there a solution for that? I mean, is rawhide a Potential uh, substitute for bones.
4: You know, it really depends on the pet and what we're trying to accomplish. Um, Rides also have their own inherent dangers. You know, they can get to depending on the type. Small pieces can get sloppy, wet pose a choking hazard. Um, they too can, um, get caught in the digestive tract if there are large enough pieces ingested. Um, diarrhea, you know, there's all sorts of different things that can occur with that. So it's really a matter of deciding whether or not we have to have uh, a chew item and, uh, you know. Dentists, will, doggy dentists, will tell you it is not necessary for a dog to have a chew item. Um, but what is important is to have mental stimulation and physical activity. Um, so we want to kind of divert those directions rather than just say, "Here's a bone, chew on this." Okay.
5: okay. Get a Kong and fill it with peanut butter and put it in the freezer for a, chew for a while and let them chew on that.
4: That's always a fun one. That's a, that's a good tip.
3: You know what surprised me from this infographic though was gum, chewing gum. And some candies are on on the list. Apparently, there's a a sweetener substitute called xylitol.
4: Yeah. And, and you know, this is my huge, I I, I wish we had better uh, signage at uh, at the different stores about this because xylitol, it's, you know, it's something we can tolerate and it's not a problem for humans. It's used as a sugar substitute. So rather than having sugar in your candy and your gum, it's something that we can have that still gives you the flavor and um, also doesn't have the same risk for decay. Um, but for uh, dogs, it will lead to a very serious drop in their blood sugar, and it can be fatal. Sometimes just one piece of sugar-free gum can do the job and be, be dangerous. Um, and there are other dogs I've treated that have uh, survived the low blood sugar but then gone on to go into liver failure. So um, it, it really can be very serious. Um, so don't leave those purses on the floor, the candy and the gums down below. You'll be shocked. If you start looking and reading the back of your gum and your candies, you will be surprised to see how many different products have this. So be aware as a pet owner and, and avoid the use of those types of products or keep
5: them up, up, up away from your pets. What about the ABC gum? The already been chewed gum. No, I have to laugh. You know, you laugh. But, you know, there's people spit it out on the sidewalk. And if I'm walking dogs and, you know, they just go and just inhale it before I can even catch them. Is that a concern? Is it as strong as like a stick of gum that hasn't been chewed yet that they get into? You know, I, that's a great question,
4: and I can't believe that there'd be that much of a residual product in there, that it'd still be a danger, but, um, you know, I guess it depends on how much
5: the animal would ingest and how recently it had been chewed and spit out, um, so I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> so don't take your dog down bubble gum alley with all the gum yeah, stuck no, on the walls. No
3: chewing uh, bubble gum either. Yes. Don't let them do that. Even if no. they can blow bubbles, don't do that. Yes. It's just too dangerous. So
5: people, don't just spit out your gum. Please discard it properly.
3: <laughs> there you go. Well, that's
5: a whole nother. Hygiene issue (laughs) that we talk about.
3: This good-smelling section of Animal Radio is underwritten in part by Schmidt's Naturals. Smell seriously amazing and support animal conservation with Schmidt's special edition Lily of the Valley natural deodorant. It was created in collaboration with the Jane Goodall Institute, and five percent of each purchase supports animals in the wild. Learn more at schmidt's.com and thanks Schmidt's for underwriting Animal Radio. And now an
5: Animal Radio News Brief. A stray cat named Frankie took up residence in the parking lot of a McDonald's in Franklin, New Zealand, begging for handouts from customers. He survived on fast food for about a year. And just like in Super Size Me, it Took its toll. Jessica Watson, the SPCA field officer who rescued Frank, said she became worried after noticing the cat's face became swollen. His eyelids weren't closing properly and his coat started to get matted. He wasn't overweight, but McDonald's wouldn't meet the nutritional requirements for a cat. She said when I first took him home, he refused to eat anything because it wasn't McDonald's. I seriously considered going back there to get him a burger, but luckily Frankie is now on a healthy diet. And he's available for adoption. I'm Stacy Cohen. Get more animal breaking news at animalradio.com.
6: This has been an animal radio news brief. Get more at animalradio.pet.
2: Now you can fly anywhere in the world and pay discount prices
3: on your airline tickets. Book a flight today to London, Paris, Madrid, or anywhere else you want to go. And pay a lot less guaranteed. Call the International Travel Department right now at low-cost airlines.
2: 800-654-0759. 800-654-0759. That's 800-654-0759. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
3: Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We'll go back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. But I, I have a question for you ladies, and I want Do you to you answer know? honestly, okay? Uh-oh.
4: <laughs> well, you know, in my line of work, I have to kind of, you know, be walk that middle line <laughs> between honesty and uh, being polite. <laughs> okay.
3: Uh, Nike is, is my cat, as you know. Do you think he's... Uh, Tightly wired, stressed out? Yes, or, yes and yes. Really?
5: Yes. Oh, no doubt about it. I've never seen a cat so wired.
3: Because he is on Prozac.
5: I know. I, you, I was going to say, are you going to disclose that? <laughs> That's a very <laughs> important piece of information. Just think if he wasn't on Prozac. Yeah.
3: Well, you know, there's some research that says if you're a stressed out person that your animal might be stressed out too. <gasps> and, and vice versa. If that- you're the calm, cool, collective uh, kind of person. Your animal.
5: Ah, that answers a lot of questions.
3: And we welcome back to the airwaves Dr. John Huber, clinical forensic psychologist. Hi, how are you
8: doing, Doc? I am great, Hal. Thanks for having me back on. So tell us, what is this study all about? Well, they, they started looking at bad behavior in animals, and they started realizing, first of all, it's kind of subjective because what you and I might think is bad behavior Uh, may actually be from, you know, somebody from Dr. Debbie's point of view, hey, the dog just doesn't know, you know, what your expectations are. They're acting like a dog. They're not acting poorly. And as they started looking at this, you know, this was all subjective from individuals. They, they stumbled on this idea. How do you rate yourself? Do you rate yourself as being relatively stress-free and relaxed, or do you rate yourself as being highly stressed? And what they found out was, the the higher your stress level, the worse your animals behaved in your perception. And a lot of that is because, you know, dogs have better senses than we do, first of all. They can hear things farther away than we can, about four times farther than we can when it comes to low-volume sounds. And they have so much wider range in pitch that they're able to pick up on things with us. They can probably, like, if you go back and think... Uh, to some of the st- studies they've done with um, uh, different horses and stuff, they can pick up on your your internal functioning, you know, how your heart rate is and your respiratory. So dogs are much more sensitive to our emotions. And you add on top of that, the evidence to support this is that, that there are seizure dogs out there that can identify you starting the seizure 45 minutes to a half an hour before you actually have the seizure. So they're very intuitive and they pick up on our senses and how we're feeling better than other human beings.
3: Do. Well, you know, it always seems like whenever Judy wants to take Ladybug for a W A L K, that the, the dog knows way before even Judy knows, it seems like.
8: <laughs> yeah, ours is the R I D E. So uh, we, we have, we have, uh, we, we picked up a, a shelter dog, an abused dog, and we, we rescued him, or her actually, this summer. And obviously it was a male person who was doing the, the abuse and the dog is finally, you know, it, it, it likes to come in and sleep on me during the night. So uh, it's, it's breaking through finally and she doesn't run when I walk in the room and things like that anymore. So yeah. uh, it's very difficult to, to pick up on how much is that the abuse or maybe the dog's picking up on stuff that I don't know I'm transmitting. Is there,
3: uh, is there a way, you know, I look down at the dog, she's stressed, is there a way I can make her calmer? Do I just act calmer? Would she see right through my guys?
8: From a psychologist standpoint, we, we know that our bodies react. And if we start faking like we're calm, our body will start catching on and actually over time start faking calm with you. So in essence, it will make you calmer. Uh, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but if you're stressed out and you want to start doing that, it'll probably take six to eight weeks for your own body to catch on. And once that happens, the pet should come right along with you.
3: I know so many dogs that have this separation anxiety dealy thing. And I know dogs that, you know, couldn't care less if you left the house. Is separation anxiety something that is reflected upon what our disposition is?
8: Well, I know one of the psychologists in my office has two dogs that have that, and they're on, you know, okay, I'm violating HIPAA law. They're on Prozac, and it's it's helping those dogs in their separation anxiety. And what, what they found out, you know, the dogs are not destroying things in the house that they used to or driving the neighbors crazy because they're barking all the time. Uh, but the dogs were already very stressed out animals. He got his from a rescue also, and they were very anxious and shaking all the time and very afraid to go on walks. and now with the Prozac, all of that's kind of gone away and he he you know is able to walk the dogs they moved to a new neighborhood and the dogs had no problem adjusting to the new parks. so I, I think it's a real thing. I think uh, a lot of it is caused just like humans, you know we worry about 99 hundred different things that will never go wrong so that causes our anxiety i think the dogs have had some traumatic experience in their life before before us and my my experience and my my partner's experience with his dogs and they're they're afraid of what might happen next because they've had that unsettled or uncertain areas in their life and that's where our stress brings in that uncertainty that scares the dogs and causes their trauma
5: yeah, I do a lot of pet sitting, and I get these ladies that are so over the top with their dogs. Their dog's a shaking little mess. They leave me <laughs> 20 pages of notes. They call me 10 times a day. You know, and I mean, you know, the dog is just a mess. Is I mean, is there such a thing like tough love, you know, to be more firmer with them instead of picking them up at every little thing and, and coddling them and telling them everything that's going to be okay? I mean.
8: Well, it's kind of like human babies. I mean, you know, we coddle them. We don't teach them the skills they need to be resilient. And I think it's the same way with our pets. We need to give them space to be there, be the animal they are, be the dog or the cat. But at times, you know, because not every dog likes to be petted, not every cat likes to be petted. They will introduce you to their level of how much nurturing they need. And they'll come to you for that and pay attention to what they're having to say. Now, if you're stressed out, you don't have time for that. So we push ourselves on them. And again, that creates more anxiety in the pets.
4: And you know, I have to chime in because in my practice, I see a lot of people that think that living within our household is all that a dog needs to be a fulfilled animal. And I think that a lot of this goes back to Early socialization, you know, granted, you adopt a pet, it has, you know, some pre-existing phobia. Um, That's a different thing. But uh, as pet owners, I think Americans can do a far better job in socializing, exposing your animals to things and not making them so dependent on us. They can sleep all day long um, unattended and not to be entertained. And we don't need to feel bad about leaving them if we've um, socialized them in the right way. So that would be the big change I think Americans really need to do.
8: Well, and that's that's where the ride comes in with our our pet because you know it's a boxer and it needs lots of room and we don't have lots of room where we're living but we take him for a ride almost every single day, and we take him down to the park and it butts up against um, a green space where there's deer and stuff like that and they came out come out to the park right before sunset and we take the dog down there and she's more afraid of the deer than they are but she goes out and runs with them and they they chase her I mean. And it's all (laughs) out, I mean, full-blown, full speed for 35, 45 minutes, and then she just comes and lays down and spreads herself out on the grass to try and cool off, and she's done. (laughs) Wow.
3: We are with Dr. John Huber. He is a clinical forensic psychologist and no stranger to animal radio. I saw a report last week that said, and in fact, I believe Lori reported on this, that our time that we spend texting and on social media and Facebooking, our animals are picking up on this and it's driving them crazy. Yeah.
8: It is absolutely. And I, I, you know, I've got this boxer now and I get on the phone and she jumps up on the bed cause that's the bed and the couch now are her safe zones with me. So if I'm there, she comes out and she wants me to pay attention. And if I get a text from a patient or or one of the shows I'm getting ready to be on, she puts her foot right on the phone and pulls it away from my face, <laughs> um, and she's like, "No." And then she she likes the way I I scratch her back and massage her hips, and if her hips are bothering, her, she sticks them right in my face, and if she wants the right or left side, she turns so I can see it, and uh, that's I. Gotta love my dog.
5: Uh, cats. Hal's cat will actually come up and sit on his desk in front of the computer and block Hal's view of the computer. But I'm not it, alone. It. <laughs> the cat puts himself between the computer and Hal's face.
8: Yeah, and I say this all the time. Well, we have a, a 16 or no, 13 year old tomcat who has had the world to herself until this summer when this dog came in, and he is figuring out how he can manipulate the dog's behavior. And the best way is to be involved with us because before he didn't, the, the tomcat didn't want anything to do with us. You know, he was the ruler and we were there to bow down to him. Of course. But now he sees the dog and it's like, hey, I'll go and I'll sit next to them and I'll try and get up in their lap during dinner. And I'll, you know, just drives the dog crazy, <laughs> torment the dog.
3: So many questions, so little time. Dr. John Huber, thank you so much for joining us today.
8: Well, thank you. You guys have an amazing show. Obviously, you can tell I love animals and, you know, I spent the weekend with a bunch of cows chasing wild hogs on my friend's property. Wow.
3: (laughs) That sounds like quite a weekend there. Uh, It was a blast. The website is mainstreammentalhealth.org, and we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at our website at animalradio.pets. We're heading back to the phones, toll free at 1 866 405 8405. Do you travel with your dog?
1: Of course. My pets are part of our family.
5: Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere.
1: Right, Daisy? So
5: how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog?
1: I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind. And they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. Sure.
0: Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio, and I'd just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference on the planet, and you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make, and hopefully every day you'll try to make the world a little bit better for people, for animals, and for the environment.
3: Oh, what did he say?
6: He said, we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere you go. Animal Radio.
9: Animal Radio.
3: Hi, Karen. How are you?
9: I'm fine. How are you?
3: Very good. i got Dr. Debbie standing right here. How can she help you?
9: Well, I have a -a 14-and-a-half-year-old. Uh, cat. He was a feral kitten, and I've raised him. He's a great pet. But I've had problems with his ears probably for the last seven years, and it doesn't seem like we can get anything under control, and I'm not sure if he hasn't been misdiagnosed.
4: Okay. Well, what what has he been diagnosed with so far?
9: Well, it started out with ear mites, and the treatments were fairly successful depending on what they were. It seemed like a... uh, shot control them better than the eardrops, but okay. in the last several years, he's developed, um, he's always congested. He has a thick congestion in his nose. It varies from, uh, a white thick mucus to yellow to sometimes bloody, mm. and the last okay. time I had him at the vet, um, she thought maybe it was a malformation of his nose or a tumor, but he always has this black, crusty stuff in his ear.
4: Mm, Okay. And, I mean, is the vet able, I mean, this is where I like to look into the radio here, Um, are they able to actually see in your kitty's ear canal, or is there just a lot of gunk in there that they can't really get a good look?
9: There's a lot of gunk in there, and um, I've used, uh, I think the last drops I got were MitoClear, Okay. And then there was an octi rinse or something to clean his ear with, but it just it just never goes away. It's always there.
4: Okay. And is he an inside kitty or does he go outside?
9: He's both. He's a farm cat. In the okay. wintertime he pretty much stays in the house and in the summertime he's pretty much out all the time.
4: Okay. All right, well, here's what I would typically do, Karen. When we have a, especially a chronic ear infection, there's a couple things I would do. Is I would want to make sure we take some nice samples of what that garbage looks like inside the ear and uh-huh. do some things with it. So I put that on slides. I might even culture it. But I definitely want to know more about what we've got. And if I find mites, great, then we'll treat that way. But I wouldn't stop looking because a lot of times we can find bacterial infections along with that or fungal infections. And I want to make sure we get the right medication around there. Now, if we've got a lot of garbage in the ear, one of the main things we may need to do is to get that out of the ear. And that's really hard to do with just squeezing a liquid down the ears and asking you to clean them at home. So um, only thing is age concerns aside with anesthesia, I would talk about doing an anesthetic flush to get the garbage out and to allow us to look inside that ear canal Um, because there's a lot of things that might be playing a role deeper down in the ear that we really need to get uh, to the root of. Um, And that's how I would try to manage some of those chronic aspects to an ear infection. Now, you mentioned some other stuff about the congestion and some of this discharge stuff. In some cases, with chronic infections in cats, in the ears, we can actually run into a a development of a type of a polyp that grows. Um, it may be you know a primary problem the growth is the underlying issue, but in some cases it 's actually a benign growth that can occur deep inside the ear canal and in some cases it actually can come from the ear canal and actually go into the back of the throat or down into the back of the mouth. So some of the concerns of a a growth back there might not be all that far gone, and uh, that might take some actual anesthetic um, procedures to actually look at that and to try to evaluate that a bit further, but that could be something that might be playing a role to cause both that congestion type sign and the ear infection. And you know, I guess the other thing is we, we do have an older kitty here, so we have to right. keep our eyes open for bad teeth as well as, you know, tumor potentials, you know, kind of all the way across the board. But uh-huh. but I, I think that I would get a little bit more aggressive as far as getting those samples, getting the ears cleaned, and then seeing if we might have something like a polyp in there.
9: Okay. And what is a, what is a fungus in the ear?
4: A fungus. I know, doesn't that sound scary? <laughs>
9: A fungus, it basically would be like yeast.
4: Um, the technical world word is Malassezia, and yeast is just as common as bacteria in dogs and cats' ears and on their skin. And it just it's an opportunist that takes uh, advantage of that real warm, moist environment in that dark ear canal. So, um, yeah, not so much like fungus, like things that you know might be growing on your bread in the refrigerator, <laughs> but um, but a little different class. But uh, actually, very common in skin disease in animals.
10: Okay. Well,
9: I, I really think he's kind of lost his hearing in that ear. hmm So, you know, I don't know how, how aggressive to be with his age.
4: Yeah, and that's always something to balance age versus, you know, the condition present. And and I think only you and your veterinarian can really decide that. But uh, you know, those are just some thoughts as far as, you know, how we might try and what things to look at um to see if we can get ahead of this problem and, and try to tackle it. Um, because, you know, living with a chronic ear infection ain't yeah. fun for anybody. Oh, what is it? So Well, thank you so much for your call, Karen. Uh, We appreciate you listening in and and hope that's of some help for you and your kitty.
3: 1-866-405-8405. This portion of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals, canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more at redbarninc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio.
2: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at
9: 1-866-405-8405. People
3: say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food, simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn Canned Food for Cats and Dogs is grain and Mm gluten-free.
2: Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
3: Well, if you just tuned in, you've missed half the show. And we had a killer last hour. This hour promises to be even better. It only gets better and better. Uh, By the way, for those of you that did just miss the last hour, you can go to animalradio.pet and hear it again. This hour, we're going to talk to the attorneys representing Sean Casey. You may remember Sean Casey is the owner-guardian of that 200-pound alligator that was evicted from his house uh, uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, maybe six weeks ago now uh, in Kansas City, Missouri. We tried to get him. He's a hard fellow to get, Uh, but uh, his attorneys will be speaking to us candidly up next. Uh, Speaking of laws, I often look to the uh, UK and Europe when I think about what kind of laws would be real effective here for our animals.
5: They're so much more advanced in their pet laws.
3: They really are. In the uh, UK, they have what's called the Animal Welfare Act. What's that? And that basically says owners need to take responsible steps to ensure that all the pet's needs are met.
5: Don't they do that in Switzerland, too?
3: They may. I don't believe they do that here.
5: No, they don't.
3: They should. One of the big problems now is about what kind of diets to feed a cat. Uh, apparently, oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> one in six pet food suppliers are now supplying vegan diets. and for cats, cats? Well, for, for animals, for pets. Okay. And they're trying to introduce them for cats, but now they're saying this is illegal. And if you are feeding your animals a vegan diet. Your cat. Yeah. If you're feeding your cat a vegan diet, uh, they could become malnourished. And that means you could eventually face a hefty fine or even a jail sentence.
5: Wow.
3: Think about that. What What is the deal there, Dr. Debbie?
4: Okay. So, yeah. So, you know, personal choices aside, people can choose to eat whatever diet style they want. And dogs and cats, um, we, we have different conversations. Dogs are um, omnivores. So they can eat both plant matter and protein or, or meat. Cats are obligate. Carnivores, so that means they have to eat meat, mm. and without the presence of meat in their diets, they will suffer serious nutritional deficiencies. And this is because cats require about two to three times the amount of protein than a dog, and it's it's what they're getting in that protein that's so important. So they need um, amino acids like taurine which are vital for the nervous system, for the heart, for eyes. So without taurine in their diet, they can develop heart disease, they can go blind, and they can develop neurologic problems. So it is essential for their health and welfare. So that's why uh, many people would say that those who are very strong vegetarians or or vegans, cats are really not the pet for you because morally you will struggle with that decision because they need – Um, that meat-based protein in their diet.
3: What do you think about what they're doing in the UK as far as fining and jail sentences for owners that don't feed the proper diet to their
9: cats?
4: You know, I think that would... Honestly, be very difficult to enforce, and you know maybe that's a scare tactic. But I think education's really the big thing. Is there are certain populations that this is you know core in their own diet strategies, and once we educate people that you know cats can't eat this way, um, and if if they do, it requires a lot of nutritional adjustment and management, and veterinary nutritionists to help balance diets um, without the benefit of meat in their food. So um, it's really not recommended to uh, try to make your cat a vegetarian um and and obviously there it could cause you jail time
3: what about uh dogs can they have a vegan diet
4: Potentially, yeah. They still have need for certain amino acids, um, but it's um, they have other ways that we can add that to their diet through other types of proteins, and they don't have this strict, super high requirement that um, cats have. Um, So that's why it's so hard. It's not that we can just take a dog diet and feed it to a cat and we'll be okay, because even if you did that, you could still have these deficiencies. Cats are just so unique in the way that they have this um, protein requirement that uh, that's why you don't feed dog foods
3: to cat mm. it's interesting to see that one in six food suppliers now offering a vegan diet and, but not surprising uh this fact just came in this week in the united states we have spent collectively 77 billion dollars with a b 77 billion dollars mm-hmm. in 2017 on our animals
5: just in one year?
3: Just in one year. Yeah. yeah. And that, by the way, that, that's over the estimates. The estimates were about 70. So, and it keeps going up. When we first started this show, it was uh, <laughs> about $50 billion or so. We are like nobody's business spending our money on our animals like they are family because they are family. And so what are the things that we're spending it on? Well, food tops out that list. Food is the biggest expenditure on this $77 billion, wow. followed by veterinary care. Have you seen a, an uptick in the last 10 years?
4: Well, I think the level of care and then the types of services that are available are so different now. Um, just, you know, a lot of the um, surgical and medical care we can provide can actually mirror that which you can get at your own um, physician's office. So, um, with that, yeah, prices, you know, certainly go up. Uh, But I do find it interesting that food, um, you know, we always seem to think that, you know, you show love to your animal with food. So I can see that this would be a trend that that is the number one cost expenditure because. Most people, when there's a problem with their pet, they don't say, what, what should, what's my veterinarian say I need to do? They say, what should I feed my pet to make it gain more weight or to stop it from scratching or to correct its litter box problems? Yeah. That's always kind of the in- inherent first question people ask. And maybe we should be going to the veterinarian first.
3: We're feeding Nike a special, uh, very expensive prescription kidney food for his kidneys because he's having uh-huh. a renal failure and it costs a lot of money for that stuff but I'm not going to feed him anything else so yeah. I, I sort, of, yeah. sort of bite the bullet there how about a holiday gift buying? Are, are you spending money on your animals this year? Of course, we probably. If you're listening, you're probably spending money on your animals, right?
4: Oh, I, I would assume. Yeah, most Americans. You know, this is how we show our love and buying them things that they need. And you know, I for my pets, yes, um, they're, they're completely spoiled. Um, they are now getting a selection of new dog beds <laughs> that are set for the new areas in the home that they've Ooh. since decided are kind of where they want to spend their time when we're sleeping or watching TV. So rather than um, make them go to other areas, I'm now buying them the appropriate sized and shaped beds for those locations.
3: Good for you. Good for you.
4: Yeah, I want them to be near us, so I want them to be comfortable. So that's my big expenditure this year will be the new bedwear. On average, <laughs> we're
3: spending about $237 for your pets per pet this holiday season, wow. up from uh, about $98 in 2015. So there wow. you go. That's the new research. Hey, do you want to talk to us? We want to talk to you toll free, 1 866 405 8405 right now, and we're going to line two for Dr. Debbie. Hey, Greg, how are you doing? Hi, I'm very well. How are you today? Very
7: good. good,
4: Greg, I heard some yapping, but I thought your voice changed there.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's my little trucking buddy here. He's uh, a little over three years old, been in the truck with me ever since he was pocket size. Wow. He's not much uh, bigger than that now.
4: Uh, what kind of dog?
7: I have a little, uh, I, well, the, the breeder told me it's called a tiny toy, uh chihuahua. He's oh, okay. kind of between a teacup and a toy. Okay. And uh, cool. he's solid red and black brindle and uh, was born tailless, actually. His mother was tailless.
4: Interesting. Oh, so he's got a little yeah. something. He, I I love tailless pets. I, I've had several of them. So. Aren't most of your pets at home tailless? I've had a cat that had a tail, well, it's artificially, you know, had to amputate one of the cat's tails, one of the dog's yeah. tails, you know, they just kind of keep, we chop body parts off our pets all the time. <laughs> but what, what can really. I do for you? Well, I, yeah, I'm not going to chop your uh, pet's body parts off, but um, what can I do for you here today?
7: Well, my question, um, my little friend here has a girlfriend at home that's about 14 and a half months old. Okay. and she just recently came through her second uh cycle and okay. i don't know whether they were active really or not never caught them at anything but we didn't really try to separate them she's also okay. a chihuahua okay. and i i'm hoping that she's not too young um you know that that wouldn't have been a problem if she if she does turn out pregnant but how would we know when would we start seeing any symptoms or any signs or anything
4: Okay. Um, First question, is she too young? No. Generally, we do prefer a dog to be bred on their second cycle. Um, We just hate for them to get pregnant around that six-month mark. It's kind of like a teenage pregnancy. So so you're okay there. Now, as far as pregnancy-wise, duration, dogs are pregnant for about 63, 64 days. You know, significant physical changes you may not know for a full month or so. And the trick is that dogs can also have false pregnancies. So that can also look like they're pregnant and even produce milk. So um, some of these physical changes, they're not foolproof. But, you know, we would be watching for weight gain, um, an increased appetite. usually kicks in about a month into a pregnancy. Um, And then it's a couple weeks later that we actually will start to see things like milk production. Um, But some of the behaviors like nesting where a dog will kind of build little beds or, you know, try to find a little comfy spot to sleep for the pups. That can also happen with a false pregnancy. So sometimes um, we have been fooled, both veterinarians and people alike uh, that have pets. So, um, one of the things I might suggest is to actually have your baby taken to the veterinarian um, about three to four weeks after p- possible breeding time. And they can do an ultrasound and look to see to diagnose pregnancy. And that'll help kind of put a timeline on things as well, because we can age the pups based on the size of the puppy's skull. Um, and that will help you in preparing for, you know, when um, we might be having some babies delivered.
7: Okay.
4: We can always do x-rays as well when we get a little further along the lines, about 45 days after breeding. But by that point, things are, if you're asking, are we pregnant or not, usually it's a little bit more apparent by that point because you're a little further into it.
7: Okay. My other question, I guess, that in, in parallel to that, is I, I think she uh, has not yet had her one-year shots kind of, Chastised my wife on that. She's oh, kind of yeah. let that slide. And would that be something that you would want to wait till we know for sure whether she's pregnant?
4: Absolutely. Before yeah. getting their shot. To... Yeah, don't vaccinate a dog that we suspect could be pregnant. There can be some problems with that. So, um, but yeah, shame, That's, shame. We always want to make sure our pregnant babies are um, caught up to shots, caught up to date with their shots beforehand, because that means the babies will have a little better chance at immunity uh, to many diseases. So, um, but, right. uh,
7: well, hope, that hope all goes well. Way. Okay, thank
3: you. Thanks for your call, Greg. 1 866 405 8405 to connect
10: with any one of the Dream Team. For today's automotive news headlines, I'm Nick Miles. Audi has introduced new safety features on the A6A7, a pre-sense city safe, emergency braking and pedestrian detection. But the most impressive addition is Level 2 Autonomous Driving. That'll keep you centred in your lane and follow the car in front automatically at highway speeds or in traffic. Audi have also added Emergency Assistant. If the driver becomes incapacitated and is not driving anymore, Audi brings the car to a stop and puts the hazards on and calls 911. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com.
2: Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Did
11: you guys see another PetSmart grooming incident happen with the jaw now? No. Oh no! Broken what happened? Jaw.
6: Well,
4: I don't believe all. Well, I, well, I, well tell me what happened
11: okay. first. <laughs> oh, <it was> apparently, <laughs> they, they said that, that, that the dog um, um, had a broken jaw due to the, due to a grooming-related accident. But nobody really knows, and it's there's a lot of speculation. But that's why we need regulation in the industry because they don't eliminate, you know, fact and fiction.
4: As the veterinary professional, granted it was only one like picture I saw, but um, it looked to me like it was a little poodle that had a rotten mouth. And when you have untreated dental disease, it actually creates weak bones and you'll get osteomyelitis or even you know sometimes pulling teeth from rotten mouths um, they will the break the you know the jaw can break so I kind of questioned the background medical history before I would ever put a judgment out and say you know if he had rotten teeth and that was another contributing factor you know before I would you know ruin someone's career I'd want to know that
11: here's the problem I have with that those questions needed to be asked and, and you know because again if you if a pet's coming in, and I'm the groomer, I'm going to look at this. I'm going to check the teeth because it is something that I've had problems with in the past, and I'm going to look at it, and I'm going to give them and say, listen, we have a problem here, and um, you know, X, Y, and Z could happen. Your pet's not going to let me touch their face because due to discomfort, I can't groom it until you get veterinary attention. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's the only problem that I do have when the general public isn't explained. Sometimes they are, and they they, they ignore it, but there's times where – as a professional, I think you got to be a little bit more proactive and, 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 and deny extreme cases like that just because of this type of situation.
5: Mm-hmm. True.
3: Toll-free 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or Joey Villani right now and ask your questions. Hey, don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free animal radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. So go download
11: that now. Do people actually still have Blackberries?
4: I've seen people with, like, the emails where it'll say sent by BlackBerry. Wow. Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay, let's take one for, uh, if this is for Joey. Okay, for one for groomer Joey Volani. We have Kitty on the phone. Hey, Kitty, welcome to the show. Hello. What's going on?
6: Well, I have a cat that is too fat. She doesn't groom herself. Uh. And um, I was wondering if I could get her shaved instead of, you know, messing with the hairballs and having her brushed out because I have to take her to the vet and they have to sedate to her and then brush her out because she won't let me do it.
11: So she doesn't, um, she's not happy being groomed either, is that correct?
6: No. Exactly okay, and she's actually if have... I try to do it.
11: She bites you if you try to do it. Okay, so that's something. Believe me, a nasty cat is a lot more dangerous than a um, nasty dog. They have a lot of um, types of bacteria in their mouth, and when they bite you, sometimes it can be pretty pretty nasty. Um, is it a long or a short-haired cat, first of all? She's
6: long-haired.
11: Okay, okay. And have you ever had a, had a groomer um, work on the cat? No. Okay, what I would try, not that I'm trying to take anything out of the veterinarian's hands, but sometimes in in a grooming salon, um, a professional groomer, because they do it all the time, may have a lot more success um, removing the knots and tangles. Now, depending upon how serious they are would really determine, um, you know, if, if they could remove them or not. Um, a lot of times the cat, though, even though um, it seems like this hopeless, if you take your time and you have two people work on the cat where they take their time and the cat's not stressed out, a lot of times you could work it out. Now, can you clip the cat down? You absolutely can. But my question to you is, did you ever do that before to this particular cat? No. Sometimes what happens is when... Um, You clip cats down short because there really isn't, you don't have much of a variation. You either have to go real short or you gotta leave it full coated. And that's only because of safety reasons. The blade that you have to use on the cat cuts, um, to one eighth of an inch, um, off of the skin. So basically it's, it's bald. Um, What happens is a lot of times the cats know that there is a change. They don't know exactly what it is. And sometimes we'll go into a state of depression with a hide or, um, you know, I mean, just just not want to see anyone because they're embarrassed of, 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 you know, what what has become of them. Even though they don't know exactly what it is, they just know it's a change. If you do have to do that, the most important thing is is you don't want to laugh at the cat. You don't want to change anything because believe me, they know. They know if 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 they're being laughed at. They know if if it's you know if if, if it's a different situation. So if it has to be clipped down, um, I would use it as the last resort. But I would try your professional groomer first for a couple reasons. I wouldn't want to sedate a cat unless I've really, really had to only because it's not real. You know, it's not real good on their system. The <laughs> Um, and the groomer will tell you within the first 10 minutes of the grooming, either call you up and say, listen, please come pick up your cat. We can't do it. And then in that situation, you'll have to go to your veterinarian and do whatever necessary at that time. But if you get a good cat groomer, a lot of times they'll put two people on the cat. One holds the cat where the cat can't bite or scratch the other one. And after a while, if you take your time, sometimes they calm down a little bit, especially if it's in an environment where there's um, no dogs barking and, and it's a little bit quiet. And they'll calm down and, and um, sometimes like the professional grooming. And the good thing about that is it also may make the cat like to be brushed at home and, um, you know, break that, that whole cycle. Okay, well, I'll try that. Okay, unfortunately, I wish I had a miracle spray that I could tell you about, but there's not. It's just, it's just um, you know, just brushing and combing. And, um, you know, I, I would try that first, and um, hopefully they can um, help you out there.
3: Okay. Thanks for your call kitty 1-866-405-8405
2: You're listening to Animal Radio If you missed any part of today's show Visit us at animalradio.com Or download the Animal Radio app For iPhone and Android
7: Hey folks this is Jackson Galaxy You're listening to Animal Radio Please do everyone a favor Spay or neuter your animals today
1: That's my dog Annie She's healthy now, but recently she broke her leg and I had to rush her to the vet. Thankfully, she's protected by Embrace Pet Insurance. They covered her surgery and reimbursed the claim quickly. Embrace offers one simple plan for unexpected accidents and illnesses that you can personalize to fit your budget. To learn more, visit EmbracePetInsurance.com to get a free quote. Policies underwritten by a licensed insurer of American Modern Insurance Group. Coverage subject to policy terms and conditions. Visit EmbracePetInsurance.com for coverage details.
2: Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means.
12: (laughs) If it's usable, use it. Otherwise, cut it and get out.
2: You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
3: It's Animal Radio. This is where we celebrate the connection with our pets. And your pets could be dogs, cats, flamingos, ferrets, uh, what else? Birds, horses.
4: Pigs. Pigs. Mm
3: -hmm. Alligators, of course.
4: Alligators. I don't see many alligators in my office.
3: (laughs) We reported, I guess, three weeks ago or four weeks ago about uh, this alligator and his owner, Sean Casey were evicted from their house and the alligator i believe was removed from his uh i don't know where the alligator is now we're going to find out in just a second because he has retained the uh the services of jungle law attorney lauren sierra and tristan woods hey guys how you doing
13: good how are you doing thanks for having us on we really appreciate it
3: so your your uh practice revolves around exotic pets is that correct
13: yeah we do a lot of um we do a lot of pro bono work for the animal community in Kansas City, and we focus a lot on exotic animals. You really wouldn't think there's many exotic animals in Kansas City in the middle of the Midwest, but you'd be surprised how many calls we get regarding instances like this.
6: But
5: isn't that against the law? Aren't you helping them break the law?
13: (laughs) Well, we're not actually helping them break the law because actually outside of Kansas City, you're allowed to have certain exotic animals. So if for an example, with catfish here, Mr. Casey, if he would relocate about 20 miles outside of Kansas City, he could have catfish back and live happily ever after with him.
3: We'll, we'll talk about catfish in just a couple of sec- yeah. seconds okay. here. Would, would it be safe to say that this alligator, though, is the first alligator that you've represented in Kansas City? Or at all?
0: Is it? <laughs> actually, I think it might be our second alligator. <laughs> yeah, it's our sec- actually,
13: it's our third, fourth alligator, but the prior one had three of them that we worked out to deal with. But, yeah, this will be our second. So go ahead, Lauren. Why don't you tell them a little bit about it? Yeah,
0: that. I think it's funny cause because of who we are and because we're named Jungle Law, I think that animal owners, not just in Kansas City, but pretty much anywhere when they hear about us, they automatically think that we're the law firm that fits with what they have, and they, they <laughs> reach out to us. And um, obviously, like, what we care about the most is the animals are going to end up in the best situation possible. Sometimes that isn't always what the client necessarily wants, so it can be a tough challenge. But in the case of Catfish, Catfish's owner was actually a really wonderful owner, not abusive or anything like that. He was very caring, and so we were fortunate that this had a happy ending.
3: Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Catfish, who is a, obviously an alligator. How much does Catfish weigh right now?
13: About 225. Holy moly. <laughs> oh, he's not a small. Yeah, it's full grown, almost eight feet long. He's a, he's a serious animal.
3: And he's had a diet of chicken nuggets, chicken McNuggets, I believe, or something like that.
0: He's yeah. a picky, actually, because he only likes chicken McNuggets from Wendy's, not McDonald's. Oh, <laughs> wants
3: that to be known. oh well, you
0: know. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs>
13: Yeah, he used to take catfish through the drive-thru, and they all knew him in there at the Wendy's drive-thru. Wow, so I bet.
3: Honest. So, so Sean, Sean Casey, the owner, or guardian, should I say, uh, has had catfish since, well, I guess he was 14 inches when he first got him.
13: Yeah, that's true. He's had him. He's raised him ever since. He was about the size of a ruler, actually. Yep, about that. And, you know, he didn't know that, you know, it would grow into this kind of love affair and attachment, and that's kind of how it grew. So he became part of the family.
3: Did he fear at all for his family?
13: Never did. He kept catfish with him. He used to take him out on walks. He used to basically sleep right next to him. He made a nice, like, almost like a hot tub setting, but it was a nice little lagoon in his front living room for catfish. So he'd sit, watch TV, and catfish would be right at his feet.
9: Wow. <laughs> it's
13: strange. I know. It. It's, it's pretty remarkable. But these animals, you know, the owners train them to learn to trust them, and, you know, we've seen this before.
5: Uh, but, you know, they're still a wild animal. I don't know if, if I could give you full 100% trust.
13: I totally agree with you. I don't think I could either, but we're around these animals so much, we still are very weary about it. But, you know, keep our fingers crossed nothing's happened yet to us, and we're around them a
0: lot. Where
3: is Catfish now?
0: Catfish is currently, um, well, he's actually at a uh, a rescue group that we work with a lot in the Kansas City area, and he... Um, you know, I think that the best place for him is um, at Monkey Island at the moment. I know that Sean really, you know, loves spending time with him and uh, probably eventually wants to have him back. But the most important thing with an animal like this is that they can have the continued care um, and a place where uh, they can be financially supported. So yeah, when
13: being, he's currently being held at Monkey Island. It's in Greenwood, Missouri.
5: So in your personal opinion, should Sean Casey be, take catfish back is that a good situation for catfish to go back to sean casey if he moved outside the city limits
0: i think that you know there's two things at work here that need to to be in play first of all obviously he needs to be following the law and then the the next important thing is making sure that he has the wherewithal to take care of catfish he certainly sean casey has the heart to take care of catfish. He's a a great animal parent, and a lot of times people who get these animals are irresponsible and don't really care, but one of the great things about catfish, as we already talked about, is he was very plump because he was well-fed and and taken care of, but um, the good news is at Monkey Island, um, Dana Severelli, who's over there, is a great person who has the wherewithal to be able to take care of him as well, so um, it's just, Important, I think, that, again, that the laws are being followed and that he's in the best hands possible. And then, you know, if whoever can provide that outcome is probably the best place for him to be.
3: So is there any ongoing litigation? Are you, I mean, you're representing him now. Where does that stand and what does that mean for Catfish?
13: Well, I represent Catfish in, he received a citation for having an exotic animal within the city limits. Okay. So I'm working with the prosecutor in Kansas City to see what I can do regarding Mr. Casey in that instance. But there is no there's no civil litigation or anything like that regarding anything. He has signed the rights over to Dana Severelli. Oh, he right did. Now he did. Yes, he did. Oh, wow. So he had to do that. Why? Because Animal Control was willing to give catfish back, but you know, Mr. Casey has to have a suitable home for him, or he's just going to go. If you know, say he got him back and he was found. You know, inside the city limits. You know, next time, Mr. Severelli might not be able to have the advantage of being able to take him back again. Does that make sense? Like, you don't know what would happen to Catfish if he gets him back and then can't provide him the support and you know the home that he needs. So we kind of wanted to um, make sure that that was taken care of.
5: So right now, is Sean Casey homeless?
13: Not. I don't. I don't believe he's homeless. No, but I don't think he can. He's not in. He's still in the city limits, so he cannot have you know he doesn't have the support right now to, to hold catfish and we don't want him to you know take on that burden of having to try to find another place outside of the city right now so that's kind of why dana's having him right now on monkey island it's kind of a touchy situation i understand most people think oh it's just a reptile you know he'll get over it but you know as Lauren alluded to he's he's in love with this alligator sure. you know we took care of him the alligator better than himself. He told us multiple times. Oh yeah, I, I how, have no how, doubt.
0: How old is catfish now?
13: He, what did he say, Lauren? Do you know the age?
0: Catfish is pretty old. I just don't remember the exact age. I was surprised at how long alligators actually live. It's it's a commitment, a time commitment to, to have something like that.
13: Oh, he could live another thirty, forty years. I think. I think they wow. really long time. Yeah. I don't. He's got to. I want to say he's probably over probably ten years old or so to get that mm-hmm. big. Seven to ten, possibly.
3: Yeah, uh, I understand that they also found, when they uh, cleared the house out, they also found three pythons and a rabbit.
7: Yeah,
13: that's true. <laughs> uh, Mr. Casey was, I know how much he loved the alligator, but he said that his rabbit was the most beloved animal that he had. Really? He, he named it Dinner, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Oh. I know it. You would think, oh, boy, what's this about? And Then I started talking to him, and he said, you know, when I was, His brother-in-law or somebody, it was a rainy day in the summer, and there was this baby rabbit outside on his driveway, and he didn't think he could, you know, take care of itself, and he took it in and raised it. So that's why animal control actually let the rabbit go, which is kind of unfortunate outside because it was a wild animal. So, who you know, that's weird. I know it's so weird like and That's that. why it's why there's nice
0: perfect. to have these rescue groups around, too, because sometimes when animal control finds these animals, they have to do the quickest solution possible. But when mm-hmm. there are rescue groups available, like alligators or potentially rabbits can go to right away, it provides them a safe haven instead of being put down or something along that, along those lines.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I thank you for what you're doing, and I thank you for spending time with us today, Jungle Law Attorneys. Lauren Sierra and Tristan Woods joining us. The website, junglelaw.com. And, of course, we'll put links to everything you've heard on today's show over at pet. Thanks, folks. Thanks,
13: Hal. Okay. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And, um, Lauren, you want to tell them about our animal abuse law bill?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, we have drafted um, an animal abuse law for the state of Missouri at animalabuselaw.com. It's being um, supported by representatives from both sides of the aisle politically, and the goal is to raise misdemeanors on animal abuse to felonies and to create an animal abuser registry list. So please visit animalabuselaw.com. Anybody from any state can sign the bill, and we can just help get abusers put to justice.
13: Because what ha- that goes on the, we're actually taking that to Jeff City next week. It goes on the floor. So hopefully we'll get that passed.
3: Keep us posted on how that goes there, will you?
13: Yeah, yeah we will for course. sure. We appreciate you allowing us to come on and talk.
3: And we'll put those links over at animalradio.pet. Heading back to the phones for your calls, toll free at one
9: 405
3: You're
2: listening to Animal Radio. Find us at animalradio.com. Log on, learn more. Hi, this is Brandon McMillan on Animal Radio, and be sure to adopt and not shop.
10: Here are today's automotive news headlines. I'm Nick Miles. Audi has chosen to go from supercharged to turbocharged. In its brand-new A6 and A7, the new 3-liter creates 335 horsepower, giving a 0-60 mile-an-hour time of 5.1 seconds in the A6, 5.2 in the A7. The vehicle can be ordered with all-wheel steering, which dramatically improves the driving and makes parking and cornering much better. The rear wheels move up to 5 degrees, and Audi decided to add all-wheel steering after journalists were so impressed with prototypes. For more, go to OurAutoExpert.com.
2: Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day.
3: 1-866-405-8405. That is the toll-free number to connect with any one of the Dream Team. And we have one for Dr. Debbie right now. We have Jerry. Welcome to the show. Thank you. What's going on with your uh, animal?
12: Well, uh, we have a rat terrier. We've had him since he was four weeks old. He's about eight years old now. and uh, he was a couple of years old and he had the best I could describe as a grandma seizure. I'm okay. this scared just not out of us. and since that time he has these occasionally, but i I would say, maybe like three a year, and we can't put our finger on any particular something that sets him off. Uh, two instances that come to mind uh, where it might have been a contributing factor, he, he got against an electric fence, and shortly after that he had a, a seizure. And cow, uh, that would
4: make me seize, I think. Oh. He actually got electrocuted by the fence? Yes. Oh, my
12: electric fence and uh, then one time here a while back we, we fed him some meat scraps which was it was beef and it, a lot of fat and shortly after that he had a seizure I don't know if they're connected or not but uh, mm-hmm. now he'll also have on occasion what I would call a very very mild seizure he doesn't actually uh, Act like a grand mal seizure, but it's like all of a sudden he'll get a blank look on his face, like he doesn't know where he's at and what's going on, uh-huh. and uh, and and like he doesn't know who we are.
4: And how long has he been doing this?
12: Uh, I'd say about six years.
4: Okay, righty. Now, so you know, let let me ask: What has your has your vet done anything? Have you brought this to the attention of your veterinarian? Uh,
12: no, we actually have not.
4: Okay, because that was going to be my my first thought is that there's um, different forms of seizure activity. And the first thing that we would want to do is to try to figure out some basics of what might be triggering it. And if there's something medically that's easily discernible that we can figure this out. Now, if it's been going on for a long time then, you know, we needed to do a little bit of backtracking. Um, certainly things environmental we look at, but, you know, if this has been going on for six years, you know, it would be hard to say it was, you know, um, you know, the electric fence or, you know, something that he got into on one particular time. Um, but for any of my patients that have any form of seizures, you know, blood work is really one of the starting points that I would look at and um, different things that we can do, but I would certainly, you know, have some of the basics done. And the question is that, you know, you're describing some of what we call a ground mal seizure, And then something that might be more in the category of a petite mal seizure, the difference is grand mal seizure is kind of what we all know as the classic epileptic seizure. You know, if someone falls over, you see them out and about, and they're kicking, they're, they're, you know, foaming at the mouth, that kind of stuff, that is a grand mal seizure. A petite mal seizure can really look like a lot of different things. And staring off into a corner... Looking glazed in the eyes can certainly look like that. Um, And some dogs will even have um, focal seizures, where just like one part of the body will twitch or have a weird movement. And and that can be all classified as seizure activity. So um, the things I would definitely see about getting this baby checked out would be to, to get some basic blood work. And the reason is we'd want to check things like the liver, We'd want to check its blood sugar, and um, you know certainly those are things that we can intervene and treat if there's something going on. If not, you know there's a point where seizures of any cause can really affect the pet's quality of life and also their safety, depending on what your house or your yard environment is like. Um, you know, if a pet were to have a seizure and you live on a rocky slope, that's a life-threatening emergency, even if it only happens three times a year. Um, so we do kind of take the individual and the household into consideration. But for me, I would definitely get some basic tests going and, you know, talk about, you know, is he a pet that we need to see about getting on seizure medication? Perhaps. Um, There's good and bad with that, uh, but there are a lot of options out there, and it certainly sounds to me like he's set a pattern that we need to, um, you know, help him out and help make sure that he's, you know, uh, a happy fella, and that his days are good because um, usually dogs don't really understand what's going on when they're having these kind of spells um, so if he looks at you kind of funny, you know, be careful you know, it, it is a time when people can get bitten by their beloved pet um, because they really don't know where things are at those times so I, I would say, yeah, Jerry you know, get this little baby taken take, take to the vet and, and get some things checked out for him
12: Well, one one thing that I that I did discover just recently, he was having one of those, you know, looking at me kind of glazed like where I'm at and who are you type mm-hmm. situations, and he loved to be, loves to be brushed. And I grabbed the brush and started brushing him, and he immediately, you know, came out of it. Oh, yeah, I remember uh-huh. this. Oh, I know who you are.
4: Well, that's good. Uh, that means that, you know, his threshold is hopefully very low so that, uh, you know, there may be some times like that where you can intervene, and, and that's good, but still, I wouldn't want you to um, dismiss it without knowing really what else we could be doing for this guy. In um, and, and some dogs, it's something as simple as giving them something at bedtime to kind of help them sleep through the night and to not have episodes. In other pets, it's more a long-term um, a continual therapy that we have to go with. But... Uh... Yeah, Jerry, I, I got to say, I, you know, I'm going to be an advocate for your baby here. And I, I think this is something he can't speak up and, um, you know, certainly he doesn't enjoy these episodes, um, you know, and uh, there's there's a lot that we can do as the veterinarian side of things. So um, I'm going to push you towards that car door and I'm going to encourage you to put your dog in that and drive over to the vet because we can we can certainly help him.
3: Thanks for your call, Jerry. Okay, it's time for us to get on out of here. Before we go, if you have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, please check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friends. They are awesome reads. They're over at Amazon. They're Kindle books, so you can read them on any uh, tablet or reader. In fact, we have links at animalradio.pet, as we do for everything you've heard on today's show. Have yourself a great week.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
3: This is Animal
0: Radio Network. Network.